Blue, the Strip's newest hotel, is definitely an object of curiosity for locals. But is that fascination born from hope or from the grim, I can't look away of an epic disaster? Today on CityCast Las Vegas, we have journalist Arash Markazi, who has had a front row seat to the Fountain Blue's unique trajectory. He lives right across from it. We'll get his inside perspective on whether the Fountain Blue will make a fortune or be a flop. It's Wednesday, February 28th. I'm Sarah Lohman, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Arash, I know you get this question all the time, but what is it like living on the North Strip? It's unique, you know? I mean, it's not far from the resort corridor, but uh, I, I realized very quickly no one wants to come out here. So I would often have to uh, go visit friends at uh, Caesars or Mandalay Bay or somewhere oh, else. Oh, like visiting and friends. Because my friends make me drive friends. to frickin' sl- Summerlin all the time from Henderson. Oh, I do that all the yeah, So, like, North Strip no, listen, doesn't seem so bad. I love it, you know? And when I came here... I wanted to be close to the Strip. You know, when I when I decided to move to Las yeah. Vegas, you know, clearly there was that, you know, do you want to go to Henderson? Do you want to go to Summerlin? I love being Strip, you know, right near the Strip. Really? I, I, um, I, I don't know. Like, I like the action. I'll, I'll give you an example. When I lived in New York for a year, I lived right by Times Square. So I, I just like being close to the action. Um, I think there's a lot of potential on the North Strip. The folks who've been here a lot longer than I have has kind of joked and saying, like, yeah, they've been talking about that for 20 years. Sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a you have to realize what the North Strip is all about. It's the Strat. It's Circus Circus. And, you know, and so I, I have to explain to people, you know, what is the North End of the Strip. And basically, you know, for those who are not familiar, most of the people who are tuning in probably are. But, like, you know, once, once you walk past the wind, you're basically on – the North Strip, where it's not resort, resort, resort. You're going to have a strip mall. You're going to have like a vacant lot. You're going to have a parking lot. Um, But I enjoy it. I really do. And you mentioned some of the the older and stranger properties of the Las Vegas Strip, the Strat and Circus Circus. But of course, now our newest casinos are popping up there, First Resorts World, and now the Fountain Blue. So uh, to for those who may not know the Drums, that's my short for drama. I think I might have just made that up. What is the like trajectory it. of the Fountain Blue? What happened to this project? So the issue with the Fountain Blue, well, first of all, it is a fascinating story that could be like its own podcast in terms of its history of, uh, you know, they break ground in 2007, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the like economic crash happens. They're you know, there's there's various reports of how I mean, but, but basically the shell of the hotel is completed. They're either somewhere between 50 to 75 to like 90 percent done. And yeah. then it's just there. And the yeah. shell of the hotel stays that way for well over 10 years, you know, 15 abandoned. Years, they 16, lost abandoned. Uh, funding. Right. And then, then the recession happened. Recession happened and it got to a point um this was a little bit before the pandemic where they were like, just tear this thing down. This is just a huge reminder of the financial collapse, the great recession. Like, what are we looking at? Like, that was my view, this shell of this hotel that like, I'm like, I'm even trying to figure out like what it looked like back then because they were very secretive, but a lot of like like, wafting plastic, like that's yeah. Yeah. From like out of windows, that kind of thing. 
you know, when you go watch those documentaries about like the Titanic and what it looks like when you go down below, I'm like, like if you walk through it prior to them actually saying, okay, like we're actually going to revive this thing. Like, what did that look like? So yeah, was it just a shell or was like the marble already in there? I think it was just the shell. And yeah. if they had done anything more to it, like, I mean, I didn't see it, but but the name changed, right? Like, it was the Fountain Blue originally. Then it changed hands, and then it was going to become the Drew. Mm. Uh, perhaps there was, like, another name in between. And then, once again, the Fountain Blue. And so this happened right before the pandemic, where it was basically um, the Fountain Blue reacquired it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they finally got the funding and the timeline for it to be completed. And for those um, who don't know, so, the yeah. Fountain Blue is a very famous old yes. uh, Miami, like, very expensive resort hotel. Exactly. You know, right on uh, South Beach, Collins Avenue, historic, as you mentioned, so much history behind it. So what they're famous for in South Beach like, is there's no sign. Like the Fountain Blue doesn't have a sign. Like, you know about it. You know what's on Collins. You know what's on the beach. Um, so that's kind of what this hotel has as well. It's this big be- blue building, but there's no yeah. sign. So if you know about it, you know about it. And um but it is fascinating. I mean, when you look at the strip, when it was uh, being built, the Riviera was there and a lot of these hotels yeah. that are no longer there. I mean, like the strip has changed so much since when they broke ground to when they finally opened the doors. Yeah. So that was December 13th, 2023. So just a few months ago. And definitely the marketing teams of the Fountain Blue painted this as this great success, this huge story. It comes back into the Fountain Blue hands. But you've been watching this all go down literally out your window of where you live on the north end of the Strip. And in January, you published an article on the now folded messenger Um, But we did find a copy of it. We're going to put it in the show notes so people can read it. And you called the Fountain Blue a bad bet. So why did it seem like a bad bet to you? Well, here's the thing. And it's so interesting because this story, Sarah, I I found out since the site folded was the most trafficked story in the site's um, history, which is really. You could have saved the messenger. (laughs) I know, right? Like more Vegas hotel stories, by the way, Sarah, is what I should have done. Yeah. But I um. I think it connected with so many people because of the backstory behind it, but really the personal uh, side of this. Again, I want the Fountain Blue to succeed, by the way. And I think when people read the story, I I was kind of disheartened that they're like, oh, like I was going to go, but now I'm not going to go because I read your story. I said, no, my, my, the point of my story was I want the Fountain Blue to to succeed. I want the North end to be successful. What happened, and again, like as we're recording this, this is where they're at right now. And we'll see. I, I, I have the hope and belief that they will change their ways. But anyway, so they like opened up the Fountain Blue and just really from the beginning did not embrace the locals, did yeah. not embrace locals like myself who, again, can walk there. I, I mean, Sarah, like as I'm talking to you, I am looking at the Fountain Blue. Like that is my view of my house is the Fountain Blue. So it's not like I, I want this thing to not work. Like I want it to be successful. But they opened up with this like arrogance of where, where the Fountain Blue in South Beach, in Miami. Right. What makes that hotel so beautiful? It is right on the ocean. It is ah. it, it is a stunning view of the ocean and the white sands. And you could go out and sip a drink and go to the beach and come to the pool. And listen, I say this as someone who is very proud to live on the North Strip. It's not beautiful. And that's okay. But you have to realize where you are at. And I think 
foot traffic wise and foot traffic is when you talk about why don't the uh, resorts on the north end of the strip, why are they not successful? Mm -hmm. One of the biggest reasons is foot traffic. And I would say, and I'm not going out like on a limb here. I think the Fountain Blue is probably like the worst location foot traffic wise. It is um, on one side, there's a huge lot that, was going to become the like all net arena and that's not going to happen and it's i mean who knows what that's going to be but a huge gap there and on the opposite side is where the riviera once was uh and now it's a huge uh, convention center parking lot that right. basically you know, no cars ever parking it's like you're, you're getting zero foot traffic um unlike the south end so, of the strip yeah. all those casinos are connected exactly. you can I actually just did this recently i walked from uh park mgm no, MGM Grand, like all the way to Paris with a friend, you know, and just bopped in and out of the casinos. You can't do that. Resorts World is kind of in its own little island up there. Yeah. So like like any court, like like any resort on the north end of the Strip, you've made you've made a conscious effort to go there. Whereas in the resort corridor, you check into your hotel and you'll see where the night takes you. You'll right. maybe check in to the Bellagio, but the night will take you to the Cosmo and to Caesars right. or whatever. Like. You have made the. If you go to the Fountain Blue, you've you're there. Uh, tried like you've you've prepared and you're going there. You got to get on that monorail, really. But then, like, and you yeah, that's not convenient. It's not convenient. It takes you to Sahara, yeah, and then you got to walk across that like lot. Which, to be honest, there, like at night, I, and no. I will still say this about yeah, the, it's not a great walk at night. So yeah, no, you have to take a like an Uber to the monorail, and then what? Am, <laughs> I just took the monorail for fun, honestly. You know, one of the things that shocked me about your articles, you sort of dipped into this, that like they weren't welcoming locals, is that you mentioned that a lot of new casinos would do like like resort matching. That's not quite the name yeah. for it, right? It's like tier matching, which is tier a, matching. basically to say, hey, listen, like I'm a local, like I live here um, on the low end, like, you know. I don't want to pay for parking. I yeah. don't want a resort fee. Like like little things like that. In the big scheme of things, listen, if you're a big time player, you know, but what it is is you don't want to start from scratch. So like yeah. if you live in Las Vegas and you go to Caesars and you're diamond status at Caesars, which you're means a big player. What, like yeah, you're a big player. Or to be honest, there are some places do a really good job with this with locals where like if you're not a big player, but you like eat and drink there and you shop yeah. there and you support. But what Fountain Blue essentially did, and this is for people who live in my complex, which, which a lot of us were very turned off, like, no, like we're good. Like you can prove yourself to us and you yes. got to pay for parking and you got if you want to stay here, you'll pay the resort fee and other. It's little things, but in Vegas, the little things matter. No, it's irritating. Like you mentioned that tier matching is a way for newer casinos to bring in, you know, uh, people who are, you know, might be loyal to Caesars or something like that, too. That give them all the little perks that make them feel welcome. And I think you mentioned they did that for a little bit. And then they were like, we're good. There were too many people coming in. Like that that was almost worse, Sarah, because they said they were not in a tier match, which is like, like, okay, but we're we're like all of us locals are still gonna go to ch- check it out. Cause I mean, like, how sure. can you not? This thing has been there for 16 years. And then we got word from other people and we got confirmed by the Fountain Blue, which is like, oh yeah, like we decided to do tier match for like one day, but like now we're not gonna do it. And it was like Wait, that's actually like worse because like my neighbor got tear matched 
but I didn't. Like, it was just a weird thing. And have you ever heard a casino say no to many people are coming in? Like, it just really sends this message yeah. of like, uh, we're not for you, like, townies or whatever. So can <laughs> we also so talk weird. about Nacho Gates and maybe like oh, yeah. why that became such a big thing? Well, I mean, listen, if you're going to put nachos on your menu, you got to do nachos right. And I would think nachos would not be a hard thing to do. But right. if your idea of nachos is whatever the, the picture was, you know, six or seven tortilla chips with the cheese and guac just on top of every like individual chip. They released uh, a statement went, that says they were trying uh, to do sliders as a <laughs> like nachos. And that means, no. yeah, six individual chips. Like it wasn't a lie. It, it really happened. But it went to like my point, like I'm a big sports fan. So I went to the sports uh, book and yeah. uh, they had this whole thing uh, where like, and again, this was not Super Bowl Sunday. This was not the playoffs. This was like a regular Sunday towards the end of the season where it was like, you know, if you wanted a table at the book for four, I forgot the price, but it was something like $5,000 like minimum. I said, and what it is, is they do not understand where they are located. Like, I, I think that's a ridiculous price period. Yeah, listen, anywhere on the if strip. You're, like, but like if you're Caesars, I, I guess maybe like you have you have like a, a general concept of of okay, like like this is what we can get. You're on the north end of the strip, and so you have to do what uh like the Strat has done, Sahara has done, Circus Circus. Like yeah. you you are really trying to get locals to come, but, but also you're trying to like entice people to come to you and so with the nacho gate it just drove home like i forgot what the price was but it was like 20 plus dollars for six tortilla chips with cheese on it it was just it's like what are you guys doing here yeah and you know there's also been some really high profile departures in the first couple of months that it's been open too and here's the thing about that like when i wrote that story it was really a first person story of here is my experience and it wasn't good and i was like i have a bad feeling about this place I could not have foreseen, Sarah, like the number of executives that have departed so within many. the first month. And you probably have the list in front of you, but like the COO, the CFO, see, like, like these are high level executives within one month, which, yeah, yeah. Listen, if, the, the, if that happens over the course of a, the, your first year, it's tough. I have never seen a hotel within one month have yeah. that many executives leave. Okay, so we're a couple months from the opening now. Has your opinion changed since then? Has the Fountain Blue regained some of its footing? So I will say that I I, I do still frequent it and people are surprised. They're like, oh, do they welcome you? And I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm not trying to stay there. I'm going there. Like, there are, it is a beautiful resort. If you sure. haven't seen it, I would recommend you go to it. Why not? Uh, I love jazz. The Nowhere Bar on the second floor uh, is a fantastic place to uh, sip a cocktail, have a cigar, Ooh. and watch live jazz. It is a okay. fantastic location. So what I've told people is my story was me basically saying, hey, this opening was bad. Yeah. Not, and that's not just my opinion. Like when you have that number of executives leaving within the first month, so something went wrong there. I am, um, I don't want to say I'm cautiously optimistic because I don't know how they're going to do. Right. What what could happen like a couple years down the line, like is like a Caesars or like MGM could come. You know what they don't have, Sarah, a database. Like like mm. they, like the Fountain Blue in Miami, they don't 
play there. There's no gambling. So right. they they got to build up the database, which is why the lack of tier matching made no sense to me because I was like, you got to build up a database of players here. And uh, one of the signs that I saw there um, yesterday, actually, I just went there yesterday, um, they have like, if, if you sign up for a card, they won't do tier matching, but they'll give you a $15 slot credit and a $15 food and beverage credit, which, like, the joke that I made was, like, all right, so you're going to lose $15 at the slot machine and $15 credit at Found Blue is probably good for um, half a drink. One of those nachos. Exactly. So they're trying to whatever extent they're trying. I am hopeful they'll figure it out because I really do like it and I do want it to succeed. So what do you think that the Fountain Blue would need to be considered a success? Well, financially, I don't think they'll be able to hit the marks for it to be a success. But again, I don't mm, know where. Ever. Well, what what is a mark of success for them? I mean, they're not going to be profitable. But I think a lot of you know Coke industries and like their backers sometimes companies don't have to be profitable for them to be successful. And again, that's like a separate discussion. But I do think in time. It can work. Now, the biggest thing with the north end of the strip is it has to be built out. It has to be the walkable. whole neighborhood, like, not just one casino. Yeah, and to and to be honest, Sarah, like like I don't know when that's ever going to happen. I mean, so like the resorts world is not successful yet, and that's right. actually very close to the win and the encore. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I mean, the fact that that it got built. And it's open is a success story. That's enough for you. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Arash, you seem really invested in the success of, I mean, the Fountain Blue, but really your whole neighborhood, North End of the Strip. Do you think that Las Vegans as a whole should feel invested in the success of the Fountain Blue? You know, I've felt this when it comes to sports. And again, I I say this as a sports fan, you know, when they say, like, we want baseball and they want to tear down the Tropicana to build a baseball stadium, which is like the worst location I could possibly think of. I keep thinking and I'm and I'm looking at two like like empty big lots of land in front of me. I'm like. Give some love to the north end of the strip. And again, like I say this because I I, I think um, like I really do view the strip as, you know, a strat kind of or the Sahara, whatever, Mm -hmm. to the Mandalay Bay. And so it'd be nice if those pockets were kind of filled up and like everyone uh, kind of enjoys the success that like Vegas has had and will continue to have. But um, yeah, like uh, uh, I've kind of planted my flag on the north end of the strip just because I I really do enjoy being here. I love the people that I live near in my condo. They're great people. And again, so, um, listen, I mean, I I have no financial investment outside of the fact that I live here, but it'd be nice if... Yeah, no, yeah, like, like, I'm not, like, an investor in any of these things, but, like, it would be nice if, for example, if they got a Major League Baseball team, if they built it on the north end of the strip, like I could walk to the stadium. So yeah. selfishly speaking, that would be nice. <laughs> so what you're saying is that Las Vegans should feel invested in you, Arash, and your welfare, yes. which is what it really comes or down to. Love. Listen, I'm not like the mayor. I'm not saying move to downtown. She made headlines <laughs> not that long ago. We're like, I just want a little bit of love for the north end of the strip. Yeah. We get no love. And by the way, I, I get that when I, when I lived in Los Angeles, I was living in the San Fernando Valley. Uh, it's a hundred degrees there. No one 
wants to come to the valley. I, I get it. People would rather be. You by love the a beach weird neighborhood. Like I hear that. I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's got personality. Well, Arash, yes. please keep us updated with the Fountain Blue developments. Uh, we'd love to have you back. And thanks so much for this conversation. Thanks so much for having me. All right, that's all for today here in CityCast Las Vegas. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend, rate the show? You know what? Send us a text or an email and let us know what your feelings are on the north end of the Strip and Fountain Blue. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Take care. Four hours to get out of the parking lot? One person posted that on TikTok. Now, maybe they're exaggerating and it was more like two, but like, I don't know. Like, that is crazy to me. So Two hours um, to get out of a parking lot is still insane. Two minutes. I think one hour, even 30 minutes is too much. So, yeah, I mean, you have to make it as convenient as possible for someone to come to your resort.